What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Stand Up Guys Podcast, episode 150, baby. <laughs> no enthusiasm? All right, let's do it. 150. I've only missed the last 50. <laughs> that voice is our returning champion, my brother from the same father, Lester Jones Jr. I told you, never call me Jr. <laughs> Isn't it Don't Call Me Junior? Don't Call Me Junior. <laughs> Look what you did. <laughs> and of course, all join, joining me as always, star of the porn parody, Indiana Bones and the Dangled Dong of Destiny, it's the phenomenal A.J. Singh. Yeah, the Romans were trying to get their hands on this too. <laughs> For thousands of years. <laughs> the Nazis. <laughs> Uh, so if you haven't guessed, it is our. Uh, this is going to be our review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And as I mentioned, it is uh, episode 150, a milestone episode. So thank you very much for anyone who's joined us on our adventures. And if you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Why wouldn't you want to have fun with us each and every week? And speaking of things that start with IND, shout out randomly to Indonesia. <laughs> you Man, YouTube analytics... Uh, uh, who would have known that for some reason uh, we're, we're getting big views in Indonesia? So shout out to all of our Indonesian fans. And if you are one, please comment and, and let us know why. <laughs> I'm curious. But no matter where you are in the world, we thank you for listening very much. Uh, so anyone who hasn't listened to our reviews, uh, not only are we going to give you uh, just a quick non-spoiler review like every channel does, but then uh, what differentiates us is we're then going to do a nice deep dive, scene-by-scene scene analysis of the movie. And uh, we hope you'll have fun. Uh, so yeah, spoiler-free, guys. Let's, uh, I'll move on to Rotten Tomatoes just to kind of set everything up. Uh, the movie currently sits at a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, directed by James uh, Mangold. I thought it was funny. Two of the writers on this movie... Jez and John Henry Buttersworth. <laughs> the Buttersworth. The class, the class, yeah. Heir to the Buttersworth <laughs> fortune. Um, the movie, of course, stars Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is Helena. Uh, Antonio Banderas is Ronaldo. And I got to be honest, I, I did not recognize him in the movie. I, I was surprised to read oh. this. I was like, oh, that was him. Okay. I thought it was Pedro Pascal at first. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, wait, that's Banderas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, John Reese davies is uh, Sala. Uh, Shanette uh, Renee Wilson is Mason. Thomas Kretschmann is Colonel Weber. Tony uh, uh, or Toby Jones is Basil Shaw. Boyd Holbrook is Kleber. Olivier Richters is Hawk. Uh, Ethan Isidore is Teddy. And Mads Mickelson is Dr. Uh, Voller. All right, guys. Uh, spoiler free. What did you think of this thing? I mean, it was what, to, it was what I expected from an Indiana Jones movie. Like, uh... There were some major, you know, scientific breakthroughs, I'd say, but <laughs> beyond that, like, uh, it was it was a fun adventure movie. And you? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was probably better than the last one. Uh, for, certainly, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's quite as strong as some things. I have some uh, problems with it, but on the whole, not bad. Yeah, I, I have a similar opinion. Yeah, anyone who's worried that this one was going to be worse than Crystal Skull, th th I can put those fears at rest. This is definitely better than Crystal Skull. Uh, but overall, does it reach the, uh, you know, anywhere close to the original trilogy movies? I, I have to say no. Uh, so overall, like, I can just give this movie an okay. I think it's solid. But as we go through it, um, you know, um, 
we'll get into it, but there there is some problems. Um, what do you guys think of the cast? I will say I like the addition of uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, I'm a fan of hers. If anyone hasn't seen her Amazon show, Fleabag, that's a great show. I highly recommend it. I think she's good at portraying her character. I just hated her character. Well, it's funny because she is written... I think purposely so to be somewhat unlikable, at yeah. least in the beginning. Well, there, there's that element which kind of comes in, but she also has this like charm and easygoingness, which plays pretty well at certain points. But there's other points where she's like that, and you're like, okay, she's clearly a psychopath. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like straight through psychopath, yeah. but an entertaining psychopath. <laughs> uh, I, I liked her in the cast. Um, I, I did also like, uh, I mean, Mads Mikkelsen is always good. Uh, as we'll get into it, there, there's certain things about his character um, where, well, I don't want to spoil, but um, there's just some, a certain ridiculous aspect uh, about what happens to him in the story. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's another character I'll get into, too, that um, once we find out what happened to her, I'm like... I don't know if she really served a purpose at all in the story. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Th- and then, um, you know, you and I were talking when we got out of the movie. And, I mean, I guess this is true a little bit in all the Indiana Jones movies. But there's a formula where, in this movie especially, that you feel it's like, they go to this location, this thing happens. They go to this other location, same essential thing happens. And they go to this location, you know, and it just kind of keeps happening it, ha- it happened. It felt like it happened so many times that it, it was did. just like I felt like there were almost there was I felt like there was an extra middle act or something in there. It just felt drawn out. You know, my favorite movie in this series is Last Crusade, and that movie is paced so well. Like you just go yeah. through it and it feels so smooth. This movie, it's about two and a half hours, and you do feel it at points. Not that you're not like. They throw a lot of entertaining stuff at you, but there are a few times where you feel the time I feel in this movie, whereas Last Crusade just kind of smooths by. Um, One thing I I do kind of appreciate is um, building character inside the action scenes. You don't see that a lot. A lot of times it's just like pure action. And it's kind of an interesting play the way they did some of those things, I feel like. That's true. I think you get some of like... uh, you know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character especially, some playfulness yeah, from out, her yeah. pops out. Uh, Indy, of course, uh, gets some lines in there that you're like, oh yeah, that's Indiana Jones. Um, you know, the, we'll get into it too, but you know, this Teddy kid they introduced, uh, I didn't mind him, but it did feel like, hey, people like short round, can we think of another short round? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, so, I, yeah, I think uh, that pretty much sums up our, our thoughts, except I, I will ask you guys, um, where would you rate this just on a basic level of uh, see it in theaters, wait for streaming, don't watch it all? I'd go wait for streaming. I think I'm I think I'm there with you. I think if you're a diehard India fan, I mean, you're going to go probably see this in theaters anyway. But, yeah, I, I think I think if you're anywhere on the fence, I, I think you can wait for streaming for this. Uh, what about you? I'd say it's worth a trip to the theater. I don't know if there's anything else in theaters worth seeing right now anyway. so <laughs> Well, if you if anyone listened to our Flash review, it's... <laughs> well, we mentioned it. We, for opening weekend, it didn't seem that full. That's true. Um, I just read an article. It did like 
come in number one at the box office, but it made $60 million and allegedly has a budget of around $300 million, making it maybe unlikely, unless it has just like really good legs, uh, unlikely that it'll make a profit. They've been throwing so much money in these movies, and uh, you're seeing a lot of them that aren't paying off. Like some pay off big and some are really just hurting yeah i am wondering if studios are gonna maybe and maybe for the better start trying to make these movies for a more reasonable budget yeah i, I don't know if all, all the cgi is worth it that's or, a, or that's these like 50 million dollar like paychecks to actors <laughs> that's another thing we'll get into early on in our spoiler review is some questionable cgi in this movie yeah. um but with that being said, guys, should we just do it? Should we get into spoiler territory? Let's do it. All right, guys. Spoilers ahead. Uh, so I made a notes for this movie, and, and boy, there's a lot of them. But no, this is going to be entertaining, I think. There's a, a lot of good stuff here. So I'm going to go through my notes, and uh, if you guys uh, just chime in whenever you want to talk about something. Um, so we open the movie during, I guess it's basically the towards the end of World War II. It seems like it's wrapping up, coming to an end. Yeah, um, they said the fur- the Fuhrer was in hiding and seems stuff like, like that. Yeah, so. it seems like the Nazis are coming to a close. Um, we're at a Nazi castle that's being attacked, and uh, the Nazis have captured a man with a bag over his head. I wonder, I just wonder who that could be. Um, so yeah, I wrote, the the captured, or, or the man is revealed to be Uncanny Valley Harrison Ford. <laughs> and so yeah, let's get into it. I mean, this this particular scene was in the trailer, you know, where they pull the bag off of it, his head, and you see young Indiana Jones. And man, with this de aging stuff, I, I think in a limited capacity, if if they're not moving too much, not talking too much, it can look okay. But as you're gonna, as we're gonna go through this whole opening action scene, it's it's using de aged Harrison Ford and. Uh, there is an Uncanny Valley, like, uh, very video gamey quality to it. And it, it does look weird in spots. Am I, do you guys disagree? Yeah, I mean, it was a little weird. I I honestly couldn't tell, like, that much of a difference between, like, the actual, like, him versus the actual, like, he, they still looked old to me either way. <laughs> oh, you think the model that you still kind of yeah. looks older? I was like, he should be dead by the time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I assume they based it off of. His appearances in the the original trilogy, yeah. which he was in like his between th- in his thirties, I think thirties mm-hmm. to late thirties. But for for me, yeah, once once it got in motion and it was talking, I was like, boy, I don't know if they should have went this this route. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard many years ago somebody was like pitching uh, an Indiana Jones uh, movie, you know, and they said. They thought it would be cool to basically cast a younger Indiana Jones, like in in this kind of way. But then, like, and then, like, if they made more Indiana Jones movies, they could just carry forward that younger actor telling, you know, younger period Indiana Jones movies. And now that I saw this scene, I'm thinking that might have been a good idea, actually. Yeah. They could make like a, another actor to look like Indiana Jones. <laughs> But, of course, the only thing there is, like, I don't know if Harrison Ford would have been on board with that. Famously, I think uh, Steven Spielberg was against that. He said he couldn't envision anyone else in the role, which I think is silly. I mean, it's only a matter of time before they do eventually make more Indiana Jones movies with a different actor. So, to me, like, it maybe would have made more sense. And and also, you know, the CGI here is probably very expensive for a return that doesn't look great. So, I don't know. I think it might have been a better idea to cast a younger actor here. 
Uh, but back, getting back to the story. Uh, so the Nazis include a scientist named Dr. Voller, played by Mads Mikkelsen, and they have found uh, what they believe to be the Spear of Destiny, although they call it something else in this movie, like the Lance of something or other. Yeah. But yeah. It's, whoever stabbed Jesus. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the knife or whatever that supposedly stabbed Jesus prior to the crucifixion. Um, so uh, a Nazi, there's a Nazi general... And he believes that um, her, our Indiana Jones probably had some sort of co-conspirator, you know, with him. So he sent some soldiers to search the the perimeter uh, for whoever Indy's partner is. And that partner, who is captured, turns out to be a fellow archaeologist uh, named Basil Shaw. Although I think he doesn't he call him like Bass or Bass or something. Yeah, it might be Baz. Baz. Yeah, I think that's right. Instead of Basil, just calls him Baz. <laughs> Um, so a group of Nazis uh, hang Indy by the neck from the top of the castle, like around it, like a gargoyle or something. But a large bomb crashes through the ceiling, and instead of immediately exploding, it basically falls through uh, the, the, that floor, and it falls th- through like many floors, like all the way to the basement, and then it explodes upwards, and that basically killing all the Nazis and freeing Indy. Now, here's the thing. I don't know much about bombs, but how likely do you think it is that that bomb wouldn't have just exploded on impact? Right. I mean, I guess it happens. (laughs) This might be one of the... It's less egregious than the nuking of the fridge (laughs) in Crystal Skull. This Uh, this was pretty bad. Like, throughout the movie, there's a theme of just Indiana Jones, like, surviving the worst situations. Like, he should have been dead a thousand times. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what we're talking about. Is like they capture him, he escapes. They cap, yeah. He fi- he figures something out. They capture him, he escapes. Well, it's, yeah, it's like it repeats like over and over. Well, and over. it's like they, they they find out where they need to go to chase the the right the thing. They get there, they find it. The bad guy shows up just in time. They gotta escape. They get the next clue. They go to the next place. They find the thing. Then they're immediately ca- like. Well, I mean, the bad guy had so many chances to shoot him, like to kill him. Were there was there ever really a need for him to keep him alive or anything? Well, I mean, he is an expert in the in the field, so he can. So it it kind of does make sense until the the final thing is put together that they might want his help okay. in finding everything. But in the in the end, when he chooses not to kill him, I think it's more of a oh, I want this guy to have to now look at me succeed kind mm. of thing. Right. Watch me succeed in my plan, which <laughs> I'm okay with, but yeah, it was a bad idea on his mm. part. Um, okay. So yeah, he, he escapes the, the hanging. So as the fighting intensifies, the Nazis end up leaving the castle. Um, so there's a Nazi general who gets on a train uh, that's leaving. He's interrogating uh, Basil on the train. Uh, the train also contains Dr. Voller and many Nazi soldiers. Uh, oh, and I should also add all the treasures and artifacts that the, the Nazis have stolen. Yeah, that's part of the reason they're there is because apparently they've amassed quite the collection. Right. Um, so now Indy dresses as a Nazi and he commandeers a Nazi car. Uh, but then other Nazis, like uh, higher-ranking Nazis, get in the back seat, uh, th- you know, thinking of him as just like their driver. Um, so he starts driving, 
And he, he's following these motorcycles. The car is preceded by two motorcycles with sidecars. But Indy knows he has to go after the train. So he, he veers off towards the train. Uh, and then, of course, the motorcycles are like, oh, something's up. So they follow. He takes out one of the motorcycles. And then he, he jumps from the car to the other motorcycle. And that car ends up crashing. And so those Nazis die. And then he ends up taking out the guys on the bikes, too, and catching up to the train. Um, so now Andy pretends to be like a Nazi commander and he gets possession of the Spear of Destiny. Um, the two soldiers he takes it from kind of like find out that, you know, he's not who he's portraying, but he's, he, he's able to basically lock them in their train compartment and he goes into the compartment that has all the treasure in it and he opens the box. And so Andy examines the spear and he comes to the conclusion that it's a fake it's not the real spirit destiny. At the same time, Dr. Voller interrupts uh, the general who's inter- interrogating Basil, and he tells him the same thing, that he found out uh, that the spear is a fake. Um, now, was there a little bit of misdirection? Because I remember at the castle, like, they kind of zoomed in on Mads Mikkelsen because he had, like, a briefcase. And I was like, what are they getting at? Is this guy, like, stealing the spear or something? But that didn't end up being the case. Um... <sighs> Well, it cut to him because he didn't have the spear, but he he had the dial, right? Right. Yeah. So I think it was hinting that he just had something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, he uh, he lets the Nazi uh, general know uh, that the spear is a fake, but he does have half of uh, this dial invented by Archimedes. Um. It has a name like. Archaeopteryx or some weird yeah, thing. It's hard to pronounce. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was. And I don't know if he actually... I don't think he says it here, but basically this thing is has some sort of time travel property, allegedly. Um, so now the Nazis... We find out that that treasure car the Indy's in also had like a bunch of like sleeping Nazis in it. And I think the other two Nazis he pissed off maybe finally made enough noise that they start like waking up. Um... So what he does, he ends up using the fake spear to um, jam the lock, lock all those Nazis in a in a train car as well, and he starts like moving forward. Uh, but those Nazis are able to set off an alarm, and so the general who's interrogating Basil and a few of his men uh, head towards the back to look for him. Indy ends up blending in with some other Nazis who are eating. And they pass by him, so Indy goes to the front of the train and finds Basil and ends up freeing him. Oh, and then for some reason, like, um, they they had his bag of gear containing his whip and his hat, and they it was on the train car there. Yeah, Basil was holding it when they captured him or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so Dr. Voller shows up, uh, Indy punches him out, and he, uh, um, they take him and Basil take the dial. Um, so they're going to the kind of, you know, further up on the train car, and there's like this huge gun. But um, I think they're British bomb airplane bombers start like bombing the train, and it causes the the mounted gun to just like go crazy, it, like goes turns backwards and like starts shooting up the train behind them. Yeah. So like it shoots up a bunch of Nazis and and a bunch of train compartments in the back. Um, so Indy and Basil uh, go to the top of the train, uh, but they are tracked down and confronted by the Nazi general who also gets up top. Uh, so Indy and the general get in a fight. Uh, in the scuffle, Basil ends up getting a gun, and he accidentally shoots Indy. Does he just, like, graze him in the hand or something? 
Yeah, I want to say it was in the arm or forearm or something. It doesn't seem like it like stuck or something. I think it was just like a flesh wound or something. <laughs> just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound. Uh, the Nazi ends up like choking out Indy, and then I think Basil does eventually like correctly shoot the general, and so he gets off the train. Uh, but then Doctor Voller shows up. He's hanging on the side of the train, and he kind of gets to drop on Indy and, and Basil. He's got his gun pointed at him, and he basically demands uh, them give the dial back. So Indy tosses the bag that had the dial in it to Voller. Now here's the thing. He is violently hit with either like a, a mailbag hook or, or some kind of beam that's sticking out. Yeah, I think it was like a, a mail hook, but yeah, it was like a four by four beam. <laughs> right. And so we talked about this. He 100% should be dead. And if he's not dead, when he shows up later in the movie, he should have like the worst like facial scar, like none of his original teeth. Yeah, he should be like Elephant Man or something because <laughs> he's going to be fucked up. He was, I mean, he should be in a bad, bad way. It comes to this later, but apparently he, he moved to America and got a job as a top scientist working at NASA. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they never explained that, like how he managed to survive that that. Unscathed. Yeah, like there should have been some team of doctors working on him for like a decade or something. What's funny because Mads Mikkelsen has played a James Bond villain, but I'm like, he should look like a James Bond villain in this movie. He should have like a a wicked facial scar. He should have enough brain damage that he was never inventing rockets (laughs) to send Americans to the moon. Very true. If he's alive, his brain should not be well. And it had been like 50 years since then. He should have been like much older looking too. Um, They did age him some, like some gray, but. Yeah. It would have been about 25 years. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think mostly it was just his hair that changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so then um, they, I think the, the, the British destroy the bridge up ahead uh, that the train is on. So, like, Indian Bays will have no choice but to jump in the river. And Indy reveals that um, he did the old, the classic switcheroo, and he had the dial hidden on his body somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> in his pants, I guess. Um, they too. They like they jumped off like uh, from a couple hundred feet up into a river. And the way Basil landed, I'm pretty sure he died. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll give him credit. That was maybe survivable. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed more believable to me than the bomb not a- immediately exploding. <laughs> B- Basil seemed like so unathletic and so <laughs> incapable of surviving in those terrains. <laughs> <laughs> He should have had a rough go of it. Okay, so now we cut to old Indiana Jones. It's the year 1969. He's woken by his hippie neighbors playing their loud rock and roll Muzak. Uh, when he goes to complain, they tell him that they're celebrating Moon Day. Turns out that this is the day the, the shuttle is going up the launch uh, to the trip to the moon. Um... It's also revealed as he's making his morning coffee or whatever that uh, Marion has served uh, Indy with divorce papers, and he ends up covering up her face uh, on the fridge with a magnet. Um, so now we cut to Indy uh, teaching. Uh, he's, of course, a, a professor at the college. Uh, and he, I wrote, he's teaching a class that is conveniently about Archimedes. Yeah. <laughs> this, right. this seemed a bit uh, forced, but okay. Um, all of his students are distracted uh, by the parade being set up outside to celebrate the moon launch. And the only person paying attention in his class is Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. Um, eventually, students wheel in a TV about the moon launch. Now, I'm wondering, like, of course, when we were kids in school, they, they had those, like, you know, moving TVs with, like, the VCR hooked up and everything. 
Do you think in 1969 they would have had those setups? I have no idea. And also, they would have had to like have it hooked to like uh, an antenna. They wouldn't have a yes. VCR because I think VCRs and Betamax were like no, they were like watching the live. Uh... Right, they wouldn't have the VCR, but they were like had the live feed. So yeah, they would have like an antenna or something, yeah. which they could have had. I guess I antennas just, are pretty common back. Right, then. <laughs> I just didn't know if they would have had that actual like TV on a rolling cart type of thing. <laughs> it would have been like one of those nine hundred pound TVs. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> Um, so after class, Andy gets a, a surprise party thrown, uh, for him by the faculty. It turns out that he's getting, uh, it's his retirement party. He's getting close to retirement. Uh, Andy ends up, uh, going for a drink a- across the street and he is followed by a Phoebe Waller-Bridge who in return is being followed by some sort of African-American woman. Um, we find out that Phoebe's character is, uh, Hel- Helena Shaw or is it Helena? Oh, he's different people pronounce it differently throughout the movie. Um, uh, and we find out she is Basil's daughter and Indy's goddaughter, who he refers to as Wombat. Uh, Helena reveals she is also an archaeologist, and she wants Indy's help finding the, the dial. Now, there was something that confused me here, because she references something that in a few scenes we'll, we'll get a more detailed thing of. But when she was a kid, she heard a conversation with Indy and her dad where Indy promised to destroy the dial. But she, for some reason, thinks that the dial is um, still in that river in Germany or whatever. And I'm like, why would she think that? Actually, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't catch that. But yeah, that's a pretty big uh, plot hole because she was pretty much there when uh, Basil gave it to him. Yeah, um, I w- yeah, I was just I was confused why why she would have thought that because I, I thought she would have actually seen Indy with the dial in his hand. That and her dad had it like all those years. Right, that too. Um so yeah, it confused me. Maybe if I watch it again uh with subtitles I can I can I mean I guess the assumption would have to be that her dad lied to her all those years. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. But then what about the destroying part of it? Yeah, she had to know he had it, so Yeah. It's weird. Um she does mention that um, her father at some point did pass away, um, and Indy asks why she would want to consume her life trying to find the thing that drove her father crazy, and she pl- uh, replies, wouldn't you, as a nod to, of course, The Last Crusade, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, going after the uh, the holy grail that his dad was obsessed with. Um, so we find out that Dr. Voller is in a hotel room, uh, must be close by, too, in the city. Um, I believe they mentioned they're in New York City, right? I believe at some point he mentions that. It's definitely a big city. I, I'm not sure. Uh, Dr. Voller is now going by Schmidt, um, apparently to hide his Nazi past. But then why would he pick a, <laughs> a very yeah. German name? Uh, <laughs> like, if I hear someone's last name is Schmidt, I'm going to be like, Nazi? <laughs> yeah, when he was trying to explain to that lady, like, oh, I'm not that guy. My name is Schmidt. I was Franklin like, Snittler. It's a lateral move. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we find out that he now works for the U.S. government, and he helped design the rocket that's uh, going to the moon. Um, so he has two henchmen named Kleber and Hawk. Hawk is the really, like, hulking guy. There is one really big-ass guy. Yeah, and there. then the other guy is the mustache, almost seems like a Texan-type Oh, yeah, guy. he's he's like a, <laughs> like a, a weasel guy. So here's the weird thing is, like, 
These guys work for some sort of U.S. agency. I don't know if it's the CIA or what. The thing is, it's, yeah, it's not clear. It's not clear. But like half of them are Russian. <laughs> but these two guys seemingly are in line with Voller's plan. Like they're Nazi sympathizers. Right. Um, whereas we'll get into it. It seemed like other uh, people in the agency like aren't necessarily. I feel know. like maybe it's like the CIA and KGB plus some Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's very kind of weird, yeah. Um, so Andy takes Elena to a storeroom at his college uh, that has a bunch of artifacts in it, and he reveals uh, that he he has uh, that half of the dial, and like she starts kind of playing with it. So, okay, the female black agent that we saw earlier, her name is Mason, and um, you know she tells her boss, another agent in this mysterious agency. Um, about Indy, and the boss demands that uh, they find a file like on who he is. Her character baffles me because I was like, because she's in the agency, but she, we we get the sense early on that, that she's not like the other two, that she's not a Nazi sympathizer, which makes sense given that she's black. But you kind of like in my head, I was like, okay, probably by the end of this movie, like she's gonna be on the the good guys team or something. But as we get into like we. They, her character, like, they end up doing nothing significant with her to the point where I'm like, what was the purpose of her character, really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was weird what they, what ends up, you know, happening to her. Um, this also kind of confused me. So, so Kleber and Hawk, um, join Mason and they enter the college, I guess, looking, initially looking for info on Indy because they want that file on him. But my thing is, they know, they've been following Indy and Helena, so wouldn't they just kind of like, wouldn't their primary goal to be to just like follow them and like steal the dial? Well, they were following Helena and, and like he came up as like a side that they wanted more info on. But like, why are they even following her really? I mean, she, she hasn't done anything significant. Well, that's not. Well, she she stole some artifacts she was selling. That's exactly it. She she has a past of selling illegal artifacts, as we'll find out. But later. Mads is specifically looking for the dial, so I don't know. It's. I mean, he he probably figures she has a connection to it because he know, knows who her father was. I guess it, <laughs> it's. I think she had already reached out to him to sell it to him, right? At this point. I don't think so. Because like they meet up later, and he's like, "Okay, you are you told me this much, and I already bought this from you. Now you're reneging on the deal, basically." Well, if she made a deal with him, it would have to have been a little after this scene because this is where she gets the dial. So I'm not I'm not sure exactly. Um, so anyway, these guys um, first are, are they're going through paperwork trying to find information on Indy. When they are discovered by Indy's secretary, Kleber uh, shoots and kills her and says their orders are not to leave any witnesses. And a part of me is like, listen, I get that it's like the CIA or whatever, but really, are they at that point, are they doing anything like bad enough that they have to eliminate witnesses? Right. <laughs> yeah, we infiltrated college... Uh archaeology department exactly <laughs> don't let anyone find out <laughs> exactly it doesn't seem like something they have to would have to do that before but they do and then also another old man that works at the college shows up and he's executed as well and uh mason um seems against this again kind of setting up that she even though she works for the agency like she's not cool with what these guys are doing yeah it sounds like there's definitely two agencies involved so i'd say she's the cia and they're 
something else. Whatever they are. Um, so the agents uh, do now discover Andy and Helena in the storeroom. Uh, Andy knows that Helena is hiding something from him, so he like puts her against a wall and like tries to, to question her. Uh, but she ends up taking the dial and running off. Um, she escapes that room they're in, uh, but actually locks Andy in, Indiana in with the bad guys. So at this point, her character is like, I guess, okay with him getting killed, seemingly. That's, yeah, that seems like it. That's why I'm like, in, initially, they do write her character as a, kind of a pretty scummy yeah. person that's doing bad things. Um, <laughs> Ultimately, he just rolls with it, though. He's like, ah, I still love you. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, he didn't know her as a kid, and it... it she is technically his goddaughter, even though she he hasn't had contact with her in forever. Uh, so Indy ends up pushing over a row of artifacts in order to escape that room. That's another part. I was like, would, would this be the key choice of an archaeologist? I mean, <laughs> it's you, like we've got all this extra pottery back here. You know, it's not that important. I'll just knock knock over multiple rows of this. Well, he was he, he was desperate. Yeah. Um, so Kleber and Mason end up chasing Helena across the rooftops. Um, Indy, and, Indy ends up discovering that dead guy and his dead secretary. And like when he's checking on his secretary, he gets her blood on his hand, which he also ends up getting on a telephone when he calls the cops. But as he calls the cops, uh, some of the other bad guys show up. I think maybe like the, the huge guy too. Um, so he's interrupted there and they end up taking him hostage. Uh, Helena ends up losing Kleber and Mason, uh, so they rejoin uh, with Indy and the other agents. Uh, and they put them in a van, but because of the parade, um, they're kind of they can't use the van. They're they right. Get they get stuck in a side street. So the bad guys are forced to walk rather than drive. Um, so they they end up they take Indy into to the street, and he ends up getting the crowd all like wound up, saying like "Hell no, we won't go." Or, some sort of thing like that. I don't remember exactly, but he gets them all wound up, which lets him like escape down the road a little ways. Um, he tries to get this cop, a horse cop, to help him, uh, but he doesn't really. Uh, they, I think, they end up shooting that cop or something. So he he steals the 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 cop's horse and um, and goes off. This was also a, a heavily featured in the the trailer to the movie. Uh, so he ends up getting pursued by Kleber, who gets on a motorcycle, and Hawk, who gets in a stolen car. Uh, they end up cornering Indy, causing him to have to escape through the subway. Um, Voller is in, uh, gets a phone call from, I think, Mason, and he's informed of what happened. So he cancels his meeting with the president. Like, apparently he was supposed to meet with the president of the United right. States. And he's like, nope, no, no, I got to deal with this. Um, so now Indy's on the street. Uh, he sees a TV uh, that has a news story. So apparently, like, because his blood was, or handprint with his secretary's blood or whatever was found at the scene, like, they're trying to set him up for the secretary's murder and the murder of the old guy as well. I mean, uh, so they already had his fingerprints on file to, like, check against? Maybe. <laughs> Faster than your average police work. <laughs> Well, I mean, you get the sense that, like, this government agency is trying to set him up, so they might have resources. I don't know. Yeah, you got the CIA involved. They so. could just be lying about it, but they're the CIA, you know. Mm. So this homeless man shows up, and, like, he sees the news story, and he's he's about to, like, um, reveal to everybody that, you know, he found the guy sus suspected of murder. 
But just in the nick of time, Sala shows up and he punches that guy, that homeless guy right that now. evil homeless guy. <laughs> and he gives Andy a ride to, like, I guess his apartment. So, sometimes people just need a lesson in minding their own fucking business, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sala tells Indy that Helena has a sordid past with a hotel owner in Tangier, Morocco, uh, which is in northern Africa. Uh, and she has stolen artifacts. Uh, artifacts and, and antiques before and sold them and she's now headed back to that hotel because they're going to hold a, another illegal auction and so he puts it together that she's probably going to auction off the dial um, so Sala drives Indy to the airport um, he actually volunteers to go with him but Indy declines he's like it's not that type of, event, of adventure like go home to your family um, okay so on the plane we get a flashback to that seen the reference before where Indy promised like like Basil apparently got like obsessed with the dial and he was kind of going crazy and he tell he gives the dial to Indy but he's like you gotta promise to destroy this thing and Indy which seemed like stupid because he was about to destroy it himself and Indy stopped him I was thinking that same thing like he was about to take a hammer to it and Indy stopped him so like Given that's the case, like, why would he think Indy would destroy it? Yeah. Like, wouldn't he just be like, no, leave me alone for a second. I'm going to destroy this yeah. thing. <laughs> You're clearly not going to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we also do get the sense, though, that maybe Basil, like, has gone, you know, somewhat crazy. Yeah. Like, he's not all there. Um, um, so, a 12-year-old uh, Helena, like, uh, looks on. And that's the thing is, like, we were referencing earlier, that's what confuses me about her thinking the dial was in the river because, like, she hears overhears this conversation, and I, I would think she saw Indy leave with the dial. So I I'm, I was just not not exactly sure. I, I mean, maybe maybe you could argue she did know that Indy had it. But she was just trying to play like she didn't know. Right. Yeah. That, so that could be. That, that explains it maybe. Um, okay, so Indy shows up to that hotel. Uh, in Morocco, and we are introduced to Teddy. I wrote AKA Middle Eastern short round. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um, and he's like playing with these like fake airplane controls, like trying to learn how to fly, which is kind of weird that somebody would have just gutted an airplane and put the controls there, but whatever. Um, he tries to stop Indy from entering the auction because he's like, it's invitation only, but Indy just like pushes past him. And Indy interrupts Helena, who is in the process of selling the dial. Um, I don't remember their whole conversation here, but they do end up getting kind of in like a bickering with each other, getting a fight here, and until uh, Voller ends up showing up. Uh, so now this big fight breaks out, um, and this scene was also in the trailer where like they all pull guns on him. He like mm. like cracks his whip, and they all pull guns and start shooting. He ducks below. Uh, but anyway, in the chaos of all that, uh, Teddy ends up running off with the dial, uh, but he's quickly stopped by Voller and his men who intercept the dial. And then as Voller is escaping down the elevator, he tells Indy that he will see him in the past. Uh, so Indy and Helena run outside. Now, I thought this was weird because I swear when he went into the hotel that it was kind of at night. But when they run out here, like it's broad daylight. Mm, I'm not sure. I'd have to rewatch it, but uh, I, I think that was kind of the case. So uh, I thought it was kind of weird. Um so they're running after Voller, but they they end up getting stopped by the police. Uh, they put their hands up, uh, but then the police end up leaving when they show that the hotel owner, who basically probably you know owns the police, essentially shows up. 
Well, uh, wasn't he supposed to be some big uh, mobster or like? Yeah. Yeah, he chic or something. Right, like he owns this hotel, but he's also. I think you're right. He's like he, he big big time mobster. Um. So it's revealed um, that this guy is super pissed off because apparently Helena was once supposed to like marry him, and and that didn't work out. Um. So Helena and Indy end up uh, running off from these bad guys. And they escape on a, I believe it's called a tuk tuk or yeah, tuk tuk uh, with Teddy. Um, it's kind of like a cart, but it, like a, a motorcycle surrounded by a cart. Basically, these tuk tuks were surprisingly fast. They're very fast, but you know what? I think that might be true to life. I think yeah. maybe even in real life they, they can go pretty, go pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Because I mean, they got the three wheels. It seems like if you took a corner at more than like fifteen miles an hour, you're going to tip over. <laughs> now that that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, I would think if you cornered too fast, you'd be in trouble on the, one of those things. Um, <clears throat> so as they are being chased by that hotel owner guy, uh, they see Voller's car and they try to pursue to get the dial back, but they end up crashing down the set of stairs and. Uh, once down there, because he kind of get, gets stuck on his stairs, so Helena and Teddy switch to a different tuk-tuk, and they go off. And then Indy gets his going again, and he pursues them. Um, so Indy and Helena, they, they kind of like start crashing into each other, and they, they, they have an exchange. This is kind of what you were saying, where like there'll be an action scene going off, but you will get like you know dialogue from the people that kind of right. like you know builds their character a little. Uh, so Indy and her kind of exchange words. He says that Basil would be ashamed of her. Um, eventually, Indy's ride gets destroyed, and he gets on Helena and Teddy's tuk-tuk. Uh, Helena jumps. Uh, so they catch up to Voller's car now. And I got a question, like, the geography of the city and the fact that they were able to find his car again. <laughs> <laughs> What's, it's interesting in some of those cities because they're so, like, organic like they built houses wherever, and like the roads are everywhere, right, and there's they, stairs, and yeah. <laughs> um, but they do catch up. Helena jumps on Voller's car, and her and Indy almost get the dial wrestled away from him until that hotel owner guy shows up and is about to like, I guess, hit the into the car. So Indy is forced to save Helena and pull her off the car, and they end up driving away from the bad guys. Um, Voller, Voller's car is immediately stopped by, I guess, the author- Moroccan authorities and forced to leave the country. Um, so Indy and Helena, they, they slow down and stop. Well, they're tuk-tuk. They have to, like, repair it with gum or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they end up kind of agreeing to work together uh, uh, because, like, now that Voller has his half of the dial, they're like, of course, we got to try to find the other half before he does. Which, honestly, I don't know if it's a good idea, because if left to his own devices, do you think Voller would have ever found the other half of the dial? Probably not. Yeah, not without their help. <laughs> well, that's another thing. It's so weird that they're going looking for this other half of the dial, but apparently, like, uh, Basil knew where it was all these years, <laughs> and he never, like, he went and never went for anything. Well, they had to go through, like, his notebook to find the shipwreck. Oh, yeah, I was wondering about that. Okay. Um... Okay, so apparently to find the other half of the dial, they first need to find um, this map that also has some weird name. Um, and that map, they figure, is hidden in the sea off the coast of Athens. I wrote, luckily, Indy knows a great diver who lives there, and Helena uh, can likely read the code that's on the map. Uh, she knows there's going to be a code on it. Uh, Archimedes had two possible codes he would have used, and like one of them she knows very well because her dad taught it to her. 
And but there is another one that she doesn't know, so there's still like a you know fifty fifty chance there. Um, so we get the whole you know classic Indiana Jones uh, red line going across the map <laughs> type of transition to Athens. Um, we do get a scene in between though where uh, okay on a plane, Voller is being forced back to America um, by uh, Agent Mason, like. I guess back to meet the president or whatever. Uh, but he insists on pursuing the dial. And in the process, he shoots and kills Mason, the, the black female agent. And when this happened, I don't know about you guys, but I, w- I was just like flummoxed. I was like, wait, they're just going to kill her? Like, what purpose did she really serve? Yeah. Like, they didn't do anything interesting with her at all. Yeah, it just seemed like a waste of a character. Yeah. I, I, was, I was perplexed uh, at that point. Um, so Indy shows up in Athens, and we are reduced to Ronaldo, apparently played by Antonio Banderas, but I didn't recognize him for some reason. Um, so on the way to the di- uh, dive site, Helena reveals uh, the likely spot where the map is due to, and this is what you were referencing, there was some ancient ship that wrecked. I didn't realize that she was like using her father's, like uh, you know, I guess his own grail diary kind of, yeah, like guess. his research. But yeah, apparently... There was a ship that went down there, and they figure they would have had the map on them. Well, there was like a shipwreck, and like half the ship like beached on the top of a cliff, and the other half slid down. So they found the first half in the top part, and no one dived down to check the second half of the wreck or something. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, okay. You know how ships hit tops of cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> One in a billion chance. <laughs> Um, we also get a scene where Helena is playing a, a card trick with the crew where like she, you know, says pick a card and, and she says what it is and she's always right. Um, and she does that with Indy uh, and uh, she tells Indy she can make him think she's giving him a choice of what card he's choosing, but actually make him choose exactly what card she wants him to. This whole like, you know, mind game of like her being in control. Um, we do get a scene where Helena asks Indy what he would do with the ability to time travel. And so he reveals that his son, Mutt, who was introduced in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, he apparently died. He signed up for uh, the military and he died in war. Given that this is 1969, I wrote presumably Vietnam. <coughs> is that what you would guess? Is he probably died in Vietnam given the, the year here? I don't remember the years of Vietnam. <laughs> I think like 65 to 75. Um Anyway, that's what I'm suggesting. Uh, and apparently, like, uh, Marion's grief uh, from his death is, is what ended up ending their marriage. I just want to say thank God they had the common sense to kill him. <laughs> I thought it was it was kind of funny because everybody hated his character yeah. in that movie. And it's like, well, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf is no more. Became a convenient plot point. <laughs> Um, so as they're getting ready for the dive, Helena notices a stick of dynamite, and Indy basically tells her to leave it alone. Uh, they do have a scene where they see an eel in the water, which, of course, Teddy jokes, you know, looks like a snake. This felt like an Easter egg to a uh, Princess Bride to me. I still haven't seen the Princess Bride. What? <laughs> I know it's weird, but what what happens? Uh, they're just on a ship, and there's like these man-eating eels in the water, like bubbling around. Yeah, because at first it was so quick. He's like, was that a shark? And, and the guy's like, no, there's no sharks here. It was an eel. <laughs> yeah, just watch out in case they bite you. They, <laughs> yeah. Their jaws really lock up. Right. <laughs> uh, so the team dives down. It's uh, 
Indy, Helena, uh, Antonio Banderas, and I guess just like another one of his guys. Which another thing, why in the fuck would you take those two down there who have no diving experience? It's a That's horrible c- decision. Kind of true. Maybe they insisted upon it. Um, so they do find that shipwreck, and they see that there's this box in there that looks like it's probably what contains the map. Uh, so they grab that box, but when they do, here we get the, 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 uh, the gross-out scene. They're attacked by a bunch of eels. Um, Helena, we get a scene where like they're mostly attacking Indy. Helena kind of gets away, and he's got like a flare out, but they're like eating the shit out of him or whatever. Um, and we get a scene where Helena pulls Indy to to safety, uh, showing that maybe she's not so bad after all, kind of thing. You know, she could have left him to die, but she did come back and save him. There's a, I've heard of like underwater welders, and they'll be welding, and like for some reason it fascinates them, and they'll come up like right beside you. Oh, the eels? Yeah. Oh, God. That was scares the shit out of me. They are creepy. Yeah. Man. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, so back on the boat, Teddy sees that there's a ship heading towards them. And the team also notices it from under underneath the water. And they kind of see, like, there's men jumping from that ship to their ship. Um, and then I think they end up getting, like, their oxygen cut off. From the bad guys? The thing is, like, it didn't really make a ton of sense to me because they cut the one guy's course straight away and he was just, like, died and sank down. And then, like, everyone else had time to come up. <laughs> well, they, like, hit the thing on their... Yeah, they, they had their inflatable vest. Yeah, and so they, you know, come up to the surface. But, yeah, when we get up there, exactly what you thought happened. Uh, Dr. Voller and his men have taken over the ship and they killed one of Ronaldo's men. Um, so Voller opens up the box, uh, which has the clue... And this thing is basically just a square block. I think they they say made of like um, wax, isn't it? Wax and wood, yeah. And uh, it has the code written on it. Uh, first, Voller tries to get Indy to read it, but he refuses. So Voller kills Ronaldo. Uh, so then Helena agrees to translate it if Voller will pay her. And like Indy's like he's not going to pay you, but then he just straight up like gives her a bag of diamonds that are worth like a ton of money, you know, even more than what she asked for. <laughs> Which would you really trust that in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Well, we'll get to it, but she really doesn't. Um, anyway, Helena uh, is translating this thing, and she 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 says that the other half of the dial is located in Archimedes' tomb in Alexandria. Under like she says, like there's nine pillars or something, and it's under one of those pillars. Um, but as she's talking, she kind of turns her ass to Indy, revealing that she has a stick of dynamite in her back pocket. And um, she ends up um, kind of giving her cigarette to Indy, or she has hold of it, but she's like gives him like the indication that she wants him to light the dynamite, which he does. Uh, so Helena throws the dynamite at Voller, and she, Indy, and Teddy escape with this wax tablet on the boat that Voller came on. Uh, Voller and his men survive by throwing the dynamite down below, like <laughs> it blows up, but it doesn't kill them. Another, it's pretty questionable tactic on a boat, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess you use what you got. <laughs> but also, like, okay, they, they didn't die in the blast, but wouldn't you think that boat would be fucked up enough that it's sinking? Yeah. A full stick of dynamite, yeah. It fell towards the very bottom, too. Right. Didn't, he, didn't the guy also have, like, more dynamite, like, in a drawer? He did, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a, maybe a bad combo. Luckily, that didn't go up. <laughs> but, yeah, I was thinking, like, okay, they didn't die, but shouldn't? boat be a little worse than for wear um 
So it's revealed that Helena misled Voler, and the dial isn't in Alexandria. It's actually in Sicily. Um, and I think she put that together because of the fact that the uh, thing was made of wax and wood and was like heavier than you would think or whatever. Um, so because the, the thing's so heavy, Indy pours alcohol on it, and he burns the wax off, which reveals a gold disc inside. Uh that has a clue that says the dial will be in the cave of Dionysus. Um, which isn't he the god of wine and orgies? <laughs> Apparently this cave is in Sicily. Um, now here's another thing is like Voller just like looks through the binoculars and he's like, oh, they're heading in the wrong direction. So she must have lied to me. That's another thing. They're out here on this damaged boat and he watches them sail into the sunset. And like it's going to come up in a minute when they... Like, somehow he knows exactly where they're at again. Like, also, how did they find him on the ocean anyway? Well, to, to be fair, when she's going through the clue for him, she she references something about, um, it could be in one of two places, because uh, Archimedes only lived in two different right. places. So, he, and he knows a little bit about it, so he knows that if it's not in Alexandria, it's in Sicily. That makes sense. So that part of it, I'm okay with. The... It, to me, it's just like, how is the boat not damaged enough that they end up getting there? Well, how did they find them on the ocean? Do you know how hard it is to find someone on the ocean? <laughs> what do you mean, find them? Well, like, they're out there diving, and then, like, you know, while they're in the water, the Nazi boat comes up. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, because, you know, it was a, apparently Basil's research that led them to that site. So how they would have figured that out, that's a good question. That's no. just something, a leap of logic. I don't know. This would just be a good, convenient time for Nazis to show up. <laughs> um, so in Sicily, as Indy and Helena are getting ready, Teddy wanders off with an ice cream cone, and he ends up getting captured by Voller and his men, which also seemed like a convenient thing, that he would just happen to wander to where they were. <laughs> they would spot him. They would get him. Uh, Indy does witness them p- putting him in a van and driving off. <laughs> but he tells Helena, oh, don't worry, they won't hurt Teddy, <laughs> and that they must go to the cave and get the dial first. <laughs> These guys wouldn't possibly hurt a child. Um, they So they find the cave, and um, apparently there was, like, they're following the clues that was on that disc, and they have to go to where the cave echoes the most, so they're shouting, and they go to the spot where the echoes the loudest. Uh, Indy notices this crescent shape, and he's like, that matches the crescent shape that's on the golden disc. Uh, so they climb up there. We get a scene where Indy like is struggling to climb up, you know, because he's all old and broken. Um, and uh, they also they kind of go past this rickety uh, bridge that'll come uh, into play later. Uh, Helena tells the story of how she found Teddy, and Indy's basically like, "Oh, you know, you seem maybe a, a little more caring than you let on. Maybe you're not a big piece of crap, you know, basically." Um, Okay, so Voller's men, they enter the cave, and I guess they can tell where they climbed up from, like, the rocks and dirt or whatever. That's another thing. It's, like, a a big, like, tourist spot, apparently. Yeah. They have to come after hours, but then, like, they find this chamber that apparently nobody has ever found. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's not like it was really, like, hidden. It seems like somebody might have stumbled onto it. Um, We get another kind of gross-out scene where... uh, similar to Temple of Doom, but where Indy and Helena get covered in like bugs, you know. Oh yeah, wasn't it, was there a tarantula on him or something? I think like tarantulas, centipedes, millipedes, all that kind of good stuff. I'd rather deal with the tarantulas than the centipedes. 
than uh, than the centipede. Millipedes are harmless. Mm. Oh yeah, I've heard centipedes are poisonous, but millipedes aren't. Yeah. Um, we get a scene where Teddy tries to run away from the bad guys, but they catch him and they handcuff him to Hawk, which is like the huge guy. So now coming back to that rickety bridge, um, a hawk is so big that him and Teddy fall through. Right before they fell, Teddy, because he's like a pick pickpocket, um, he steals the handcuff key. And so they, they go down, and there's like this this grate in the water. And Teddy is able to un, unhandcuff himself and then handcuff Hawk to that grate. So Teddy escapes, but then Hawk is just forced to drown, basically. Well, like, he was going to drown anyway because the water's forcing him against that grate. That's true. But, um... Why is there a grate in this undiscovered... Uh... <laughs> I was thinking that, too, because it looked like rebar or something. Right. And I was like, well, wait, this is like this ancient tomb. Like, why would they have had that there? <laughs> yeah, it was weird, but uh, yeah. Um, okay, so Indy and Helena uh, kind of get to the tomb, and there's like this pool of water that smells like methane. And he's, I found it funny because, like, she was complaining about it, and he's like, don't breathe the methane. But then, like, he doesn't cover his mouth at all. He's just like, oh, I'm old. I can't smell shit. (laughs) Well, he he said that, and he was also like, uh, we need to get out of here. Right. And then he's like, just fucking around. (laughs) Right, right. Um, So, uh, Indy, like, uh, he he finds some clue, and he, he puts it together that they have to display some of the water in this pool. So they do, they put like the, these heavy like uh, blocks or gears or something that are there. So that displaces enough water, which opens up a secret passage beneath them that goes to Archimedes' uh, remains. Um, and there uh, is the other half of the dial. Um, so they do notice some weird time anomalies, including the fact that Archimedes is wearing a wristwatch. And there's also like this depiction of a bird, but she notices like, Oddly enough, that there's also depictions of like a uh, plane propeller, right? And sh- like, what's the deal uh, here? Um, so just like happens, anytime they find something, Voler shows up, you know, and 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 gets them. So he ends up putting the dial together. Um, now Teddy does show up in this room uh, on top of a statue, and he jumps on one of Voler's uh, men, which leads to a gunfight. Uh, during the fight, Indy gets shot in the shoulder, and Helena and Teddy run away. They have to run away without him. This is another one of those like flesh wounds where like I, I really hate it when someone gets shot and it's like ten seconds later it's like yeah uh, you know I'm pretty much fine. <laughs> yeah, it it sucks, but I'm fine really. I like those like uh, like the spaghetti with westerns where Clint Eastwood would get shot up and like he'd be crawling through the dirt and you're like this motherfucker's dying. He is straight gonna fucking die, you know. You know my favorite um, thing is in. Um, Death Proof, where Kurt Russell gets hit <laughs> and he does turn into a straight up bitch, just like a just guy who's getting punched actually in the would. face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene where they're just <laughs> kicking his ass. Um. Okay. So Voler has his men take. This is what you were kind of referencing. Once again, instead of killing him, um, Voler's like, "Oh no, we'll take him along uh-huh. so he can see me become like the Nazi ruler of the world." Um. <clears throat> So Indy is thrown into Voller's van. Uh, Helena and Teddy uh, witness this, so they follow them on a motorcycle. Um, so now Voller reveals his plan to Indy. He's going to use the dial to travel back to 1939 and, I guess, kill Hitler, and then he will lead the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be the emperor, and but he's just going to do it the right way so the Nazis win. <laughs> yeah, and there was a scene from earlier where 
like when he was in the hotel, like he had a a, a scene with this um, black man who used to be in the military, and he's like, you know, Germany are the, the the Americans didn't win the war. Hitler lost. It. Right. So he's got like kind. Of, he's like the Nazi thing is right, but Hitler wasn't the right man. Um, now I don't exactly understand how the dial works because it seems like you still like it somehow computes to a latitude and longitude. So like it works, but you still have to be in the right place for yeah. it to work. <laughs> well, the whole workings of that thing is so convoluted because essentially they say it finds fissures in time that you can travel through. Right. But then somehow you're supposed to be able to set it. To go where you want. And so he's supposed to set it in 1939 or whatever. And Indiana Jones is saying, like, well, there's some technicality where, like, you're miscalculated because... Continental drift. Continental drift. And he didn't know about this. But then it magically takes them right to the spot where Archimedes is. And they're like, oh, this was all part of Archimedes' plan. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. It didn't. It really didn't. Um, Yeah, I didn't understand that bit because it's like... He's like the continental drift, but like it still ends up taking him to the portal where he thought it was. But then somehow the t- he he knew the timing would be wrong. I don't. Yeah, it was very convoluted. Um, but let's not back. only did he know about continental drift, he knew how to trick you into setting it to go to Syracuse. Let's go back a little bit. Um, so Voler takes Indy on a plane, and Helena and Teddy look on. So Helena asked Teddy. They see a small plane in the distance, and she asked Teddy if he can. Um, if he thinks he can fly that small plane so they can follow. And Teddy's like, not sure, but he's like, I'll go try to start it. Um, but as he's doing that, I guess Voller's plane takes off, so Helena just decides to pursue on the motorcycle yeah. rather than get in the plane. Um, so she does, and she eventually is able to get on the plane, um, like commando style, like through the, the wheel uh, wheel well or whatever. Yeah, and she ends up in some like bottom compartment. Right. Um, so Teddy does get the other plane started, and he starts pursuing. We get a scene where we find out there's actually a Nazi soldier sleeping in the back of that plane. Was he a Nazi? He who was like the the normal pilot. Oh, I mean, I mean, I don't know. There were a lot of Nazis on that base. I guess he's a Nazi. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think of that because. Th- they are technically in Sicily, so maybe it wasn't a Nazi. Maybe it was a just an Italian an pilot. Italian pilot, maybe that could be. Um, so as they head towards the time portal, yeah, Indy somehow puts it together that due to continental drift, they won't be going to 1939. Uh, Voller does try to reverse course, but it's too late, and so they end up going 2,000 years into the past, witnessing a war with the Romans, I guess. Was yeah. it part of the Peloponnesian War? I, I don't know. It was. Like, I forgot what they said. Yeah, I don't know my ancient history. Just the Romans attacking the Greeks, right? Like, I think so. Yeah, it's got to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Teddy's plane also makes it through, and that pilot kind of wakes up and, and freaks out. Um, so the Romans, they think the planes are dragons, and they begin to fire on them. <laughs> Which, couldn't they just go up high enough to out it of the range? It doesn't seem like you'd have to go very high to be out of a range <laughs> of, like... Ship catapults or whatever the fuck they have. <laughs> um, so Archimedes himself is working on uh, the dial when he sees the planes and he basically realizes, oh, I must succeed in my attempt here. Right. So his whole plan, apparently Archimedes' whole plan, is to build this thing and to s- so send it off so like someone in the future will find it and come and help them win the war. 
<laughs> it's very I, convoluted. But I like so. also like his plan for someone to find in the future is to break it into multiple parts and like make it really hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> but also I'm not a, a way stu- to go, genius. <laughs> I'm not a student of history. Did uh, the, the, did the Greeks eventually beat the Romans? I don't know how uh, that shaked yeah, out. They won know. that like one battle and eventually they lost. <laughs> so this plan isn't a great plan, apparently. Um Okay, so Archimedes rides his horse out to take a look. Uh, Voller's men begin shooting at the Romans because they're getting attacked by the Romans. Um, Helena reveals herself, and she drops most of Voller's men out of the bomb hatch of the plane. Uh, But she also falls, and she's dangling, and like a Nazi ends up dangling from her leg. Um, Indy somehow, uh, I don't know if he shoots or he knocks that Nazi off of her. Yeah, I think he shoots him. And tries to save Helena. Um, this causes Voller to get involved. Um, I believe Helena ends up shooting Voller, uh, and that allows Helena and Indy to parachute to safety. Um, I don't remember exactly, but she gets him off somehow. I think she shoots him, but I'm not sure. Um, so they parachute to safety, and then Voller's plane just crashes and he dies. Yeah. Fiery death. Um, there's a Roman soldier who sees Indy and Helena parachute. Uh, out and he decides to pursue them on the ground. Okay, so Archimedes discovers the plane wreckage uh, with the completed dial and Voller's watch, which explains the time anomalies from earlier. The watch and the the propellers and everything. The old time paradox. So the Roman soldier shows up. It tries to kill Indy, but he's uh, instead killed by Archimedes' men. Uh, Archimedes asks Indy like uh, where he came from and he tells uh, him from 2,000 years in the future. Uh, so now Indy tells Helena that he is dying, and he wants to actually stay in the past and just die in the past. Uh, she pleads with him, but he refuses uh, to go with her and Teddy. Um, and so she ends up knocking him out, punching him out. Um, now, th- this happens in movies a lot, but okay, Indy wakes up back in his apartment, all, all bandaged up. But do we... Like, do we think her punch knocked him out, and that's literally the first time he waked up since? <laughs> Part of me was thinking she should have just punched him in the bullet wound. That would have been more effective. <laughs> My bullet wound. That, that would have set you down, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, Indy wakes up. Uh, Helena says that she had to bring him back to uh, protect the timeline, protect history, and also so that he could live. And I think he, he has a line, something like, live for who or live for what or whatever. And uh, right on cue, Marion shows up uh, with some groceries. Um, Helena and Teddy leave so that they can talk to each other. And they basically make up with each other and start uh, making out. <laughs> mm. Indian Marion. Um, outside, Helena and Teddy walk away. And the camera pans up to Indy's hat on a clothesline. And the movie ends with Indy's hand reaching out and grabbing his hat. Making me think that Indy must have sex with the hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I was assuming that many was finished. Oh, you think it was finished and was like off to the next ev- adventure? Uh, old people sex. I mean, that was a, a, a short sex session then. But I got the feeling that he was like, no, I'm going for a ride. He's putting the hat on. But uh, maybe you're right. But yeah, that is how the movie wraps up. Um, is there anything I missed that you guys think would be worth talking about? Yeah, I don't know. That was pretty much everything. I, think. <laughs> I tried to be thorough. It, man, it took me a while to put these notes together. I was just like, "Oh yeah," then I remember this scene. Oh yeah, now I remember this scene. Um, I don't, Nazis. 
Did you like that they did like a, a time travel gimmick with the artifact? Um, I was kind of okay with it. It's kind of a classic kind of a, like a sci-fi thing almost. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting ending. I was okay with it. I mean, I guess, I guess part of me is like the Temple of Doom was like um, kind of the the most. I mean, there was like mythology involved, but it was also like he could write it off as coincidence. <laughs> it's like this time he actually time traveled, or like in the skulls, like there's actually shit going on. I mean, I guess in the Temple of Doom you had the full, or not or the Ark, you have the full like. Uh, <laughs> people being melted by right, right. space ghosts or whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> My God. <laughs> you know, um, a part of me wouldn't mind seeing like, an, you know, a um, Helena Shaw movie, like her adventures. But the thing is, uh, if you do a prequel that's before this, she would have been kind of a bad person. Yeah. And if you do adventures after this, it's like, oh, it's in the 70s. Like, it just seems like a weird type time period to have like pulp adventures, you know? <laughs> Um, seventies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You can do anything. Do you think like if they eventually do recast and and do more Indiana Jones movies in like you know thirties or forties? Do, do you think it's bad to have him be like a, a James Bond type that hooks up with a different woman in every single movie? Well, I mean, he definitely did some jumping around. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems so cliche. <laughs> I mean, Ilsa's dead. <laughs> Got to do something. <laughs> It, there, it's been forever since I saw the first movie, but apparently there is a line where, like, it infers that, like, when him and Marion like first got together, she was only sixteen and like he was an adult, you know. On the other hand, he drank the water from the Holy Grail, so maybe they could just keep going. Maybe they should have made him young throughout the whole, like, still in the seventies, and you could just keep making movies into the future. <laughs> Indiana Jones in the eighties, Indiana Jones in the nineties. They uh, do the same thing Star Wars did with uh, what's her name. Who's that? That lady who died, who they keep putting in the movies. Oh, oh Carrie Fisher? <laughs> Carrie Fisher, yeah. His co-star. I'll say I felt like Harrison Ford did a, a more serious job on this than in uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Where he was just like, oh, fuck it. And then he gets stabbed, you know? <laughs> and thrown he, off he a bridge. He with Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, he did like some interview with someone was like, were you nostalgic, you know, to, to reprise this role? And he's like... Uh well I got paid. <laughs> he's like that though. He 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 never seems enthusiastic about these things. I feel like he's kind of fitting into himself as like the grumpy old man. Like that was part of the role <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's like yeah, I'll just just roll with it. <laughs> um, God, I was trying to think. I had another thought about the movie, but now I forgot it. But but yeah, I think I think this was solid. Um, so let's get get down to the voting round, guys. What would you give this on a scale of one to ten? For me personally, I think I'm going to go with a six point five. I think it was solid, but not superb. Yeah, I'll give it a six out of ten. It was it was good. It wasn't great. It was it was all right. Yeah, yeah I'd roll with a seven. It was it was decent, but it, you know, not perfect. Certainly more enjoyable than than uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but. Um, Last Crusade, man. Perfect movie. <laughs> um, it's hard to one-up the Holy Grail. <laughs> you know? As an art. That, that is another thing. Like, like I don't have an extensive knowledge of, like, you know, famous artifacts. Right. But it's like you got to choose, like, a notable artifact. And then you got to make a, like, a give it some sort of magical, right. interesting property. I mean, like, I mean, part of me is like, yeah, Archimedes was a genius, but there's no fucking way, pal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? He, he destined somebody to come in the future to save them in a battle. Like, 
There's too much going into that. <laughs> and then they show up and they're like, sorry, pal, we can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> get us on that plane and let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but then Archimedes still, like, he still put it, <laughs> like, when he died, apparently. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, we Must don't want to upset the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> the thing of it is, is, like, I guess you could argue that, <clears throat> like, his time travel device ended up for allowing them to win that particular battle. That but it, but it's not like he had a, like you would almost thought he wanted, would have wanted to keep that intact uh, plane that Teddy was in for some sort of like, you know, can we use this technology again to help us? Yeah. <laughs> or at least sure. take their machine guns. Actually, that's a good question. Like I know his plane wrecked, but there's a good chance there was still a workable machine gun in there. Of course, they would have ran out of bullets. But they could have learned how to engineer. <laughs> they find his corpse with like a, a Luger on it. <laughs> It would have been interesting if they went back to the future and, like, the world was, like, conquered by Greeks. <laughs> That's yeah. another thing. Like, Indy wanted to just stay there and, like, fuck up the past. He's like, this is what I really want to do, you know, with my life. Be the new Genghis Khan where he has, like, 25% of Europe's kids or something. I belong in a museum. <laughs> that is true. You know, that is something that kind of against his character, too, because, like, he is an archaeologist. He respects history. You would think he would, like, you know not want to do something that could really mess up history. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, like, if you really love the past, then, like, you know, being in it, being immersed in it, is probably, like, a, a huge experience for them. You want to find a Greek woman and do the nasty in the pasty? Oof. I don't <laughs> want to go deal with a Greek woman from 2,000 years ago. That's probably nasty as hell. I don't want to deal with syphilis with no cure. <laughs> <laughs> Archimedes will find a cure. Yeah. <laughs> Mercury, right in your dick hole. That, his whole time travel thing was maybe somebody will bring us a cure for this burning crotch <laughs> <laughs> dang it this guy no <laughs> I work so hard please <laughs> penicillin <laughs> um, you guys want to add anything else before we ride off into the sunset like at the end of last crusade uh, no I'm good all right, guys. Well, we thank you very, very much. Um, let us know in the comments what you thought of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, if you've seen it. Um, uh, and, you know, leave us comments about anything. Uh, tell us why Indonesia likes us so much. I, I'm, I'm curious to know. But, no, please, um, uh, we're, we're glad you uh, – if you uh, watched any of our videos up to episode 150, we thank you very much. We hope you'll do – continue to do so in the future so make sure to subscribe both on the youtube channel uh and on your podcast service of choice um uh, lester are you uh, on twitter at all these days not really okay <laughs> well you can still find me if you want at zach jones live that's z-a-c-h-j-o-n-e-s-l-i-v-e and that'll do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week please 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 tune in again next week take care <laughs> That was so Have a good one. All right, bye guys. <laughs> did you sign off properly? Uh, I did. No, it did sound? It, felt, it, yeah, it, it sounded different. normal. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> Are you sure? I did. I said, see everyone again next week. Which is, is that what you used to say? Yeah, it felt different this time. I don't know why. Anyway, <laughs> goodbye and thank you. <laughs> Have a good one.